Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? Daniel will be here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, I am here with Giga Fefar. Giga is a co-founder of Flowout, an unlimited web flow design and development subscription service. Giga was always passionate about entrepreneurship. After discovering the power of coding, he joined one of the fastest growing marketing agencies in Slovenia straight after college where his career kicked off. Now, with the acquired knowledge and network, he went ahead and created multiple successful tech ventures. I am very excited for this chat, so let's get right into it. So Giga, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today, my friend? Amazing. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I ask every single one of my guests to tell us what they were doing before they became an entrepreneur. So what is your story? So during college, I started working as a developer. So I studied computer science. Uh, I was a freelance developer as a student. Then I got employed in uh, one of the fastest growing local agencies uh, where I got to the position of head of development a couple of years, after which I quit that place went freelancing again for a couple of years and then started flow out with a couple of my friends. Started flow out with a couple of your friends. So take us back Giga, to when you started your first business, what was going on through, you know, in your head? Why did you start a business? Why didn't you stay in your, you know, like as a freelancer, was it something else that you wanted to experiment and you wanted to take care of? Yeah. So even when I was freelancing and when I was working at the agency, I was still trying to develop some of my own ideas, you know, uh, either alone or with a couple of other friends and so on. So it's not like, let's say it's not our first business that we started, uh, but it's the first one that actually stuck. So we did learn a lot back then. Uh, also as a freelancer uh, in the IT sphere, you're basically kind of bound to be remote, especially if you work for foreign companies, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that you usually do because you can. Uh, and in that sense, also, I kind of always preferred to work in the comfort of my home, whatever I did, mm-hmm. um, just just like Luca and Sergey and basically everyone I worked with, mm-hmm. which is kind of why we we then started Flowout as a totally remote business. So everyone that we employ, everyone that's working with us is full time, but at the same time remote. That's fantastic. And anyway, we are at the remote CEO show. So uh, it goes without saying that I want to dig a bit deeper in the way that you've structured your team. And I want to ask you some management questions, if it's okay with you. So first off, um, how fast did your team grow? And let's say in the first, let's say year or so. So we've actually grown. So we started flow out last spring. I think it was in April. So in this year and a half, we've grown from basically three people, four people to right now, 18, starting November 1st, 17 right now. Okay. Starting November 1st, 18. 
And so, you know, it's a pretty fast, you know, you know, way to, to grow your business. And I'm sure that you're going to keep on growing it even bigger. And my question is, looking at the past 12 months, um, can you give us a couple of things that really worked out when it comes to hiring and managing your remote team and maybe a mistake that you must have, you know, made or someone else that's made in your business that you would not recommend someone repeat? So I think the most important part when building a remote team is that you have to trust the people you hire. Mm. Uh, I know it sometimes can be hard to trust someone if you don't know them, you don't know how they work and so on. We have the privilege of hiring a couple of people we knew from before who we worked with as freelancers and so on, but not everyone, right? So mm. there, when you hire someone new, someone you just met on the first interview, at that point, you know, you got to search for maybe a couple of characteristics, like if they have any remote work experience from before, mm. um, how they imagine it. If they even want to work remote, I think this is a very big part. If someone is, let's say, more of an office guy or, a, or, a, or an office girl, in that case, you know, it's it's kind of hard to convince them remote is the better option. Yeah. Uh, but generally, if you tick these few basic boxes, you just try out for a month, two or three, or even just like two weeks. Of course, you pay the people by the hour or by the month uh, and see, see if it works out. And if you can trust the, the trust them, see they work, they deliver. Uh, and honestly, we didn't really have any super bad experience with people. So we kind of filtered them pretty well. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this vetting part is pretty important because if you're like one, if you're a person that likes to work remote, there are a couple of characteristics that people you hire should share with you, right? Yeah. Uh, and those yeah. are kind of the ones you're looking for. Absolutely. And I hear this, even in my business, we're 100% remote and I always tell my coaching clients as well. And and I always hear this as a recurring thing in, in all my interviews, you know, finding the right people to work remotely is really the biggest, you know, piece of the puzzle because, it's a very, there's a big difference between going to an office and having someone looking over your shoulder to make sure that you're working and actually being able to be independent enough to really do the work without having, you know, that, you know, your boss next door. And so that actually takes me to the next question that I wanted to ask you about your remote team building. Is everybody quote unquote local to your time zone? or to your country or Europe or, um, it, or are you doing a fully, you know, like worldwide team right now? So right now everyone is in the same time zone. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, we're, we're all living in the same time zone, mm -hmm. but generally if someone, for example, wants to go work remotely, I don't know, to, to Asia or to South America or wherever mm -hmm. they want to go, it's not really a problem. So in those cases, you know, we just try to sync up, at specific time frame so we are based in central europe yeah. but all of our clients are us based right spending from the east coast to the west coast yeah. which means we kind of have to be online in at better time as well uh, mm -hmm. so it's you know it, it's a bit easier to do that if you're remote because you don't have to spend the time driving to work driving back and so on yeah uh, in that sense in that sense it doesn't really matter almost everyone is local here in slovenia um yeah. so there i think of out of 17 people 14 of us are here but everyone is in the same time zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, and so my other question goes, so like, because at the end of the day, when you have a team that it's uh, always, you know, on at the same time and they're able to communicate with you and having meetings with you and, and, with, the, and with the clients as well, that's great. 
but do you use any tools? Let's say if something moved to Bali tomorrow, would you then tell them, okay, do your work whenever like it works for you, but then you would still have to show up for those maybe like two or three uh, daily meetings or something like that. Is that what you guys do? So we don't really have any daily meetings. Okay. Uh, we did have them and the, in the agency I previously worked at, for example, but I never found out, never really found them useful. Mm -hmm. I think they are more, more for an attempt of culture building. That's not always the thing that should be done. Mm -hmm. um, wh what we do is we are async. So we have project managers uh, in-house that basically manage all the developers and all the designers and what they should do that day. And that's basically it. So once they are done, they update the project managers who then relay the information to uh, the customer. Sometimes even developers and designers themselves communicate with the customer depending on the situation, right? Um, so we're trying to be async. That's kind of the core of how I think a remote workspace should be run. Um, and it is more efficient because you don't have to, you don't have to adapt the whole team to like specific times, specific meetings if they are not even necessary, right? Because uh, honestly, for example, if one developer is working on one project and the second one is working on another project, they don't really have to think about anything, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so in that sense, I kind of find it useless in, in most cases. Yeah. I really like your counterintuitive approach to culture. And honestly, I'm a big proponent of culture. We do have some meetings, but then I also have to say that the nature of my business is different from yours, what you guys do. So I wanted to know, is culture still something that you keep, you know, alive in any other way? Or it is something at this point, because like you said, because of the nature of your services, that you're not even planning on having people you know, communicate to, uh, with each other, basically, and, and building culture? I mean, we do communicate with each other because um, obviously people are working on the same projects at the time or someone is sending over the project to a different developer, designer, you know, designers feedback uh, their own work with other designers and so on. As yeah. well as project managers, they have to communicate with basically everyone. Yeah. Uh, we also have like non-mandatory Friday lunches uh, at our offices if someone wants to come. They can come and the company pays for a fancier lunch and so on. Wow. So there is, you know, th there are these more, let's say, organic yeah. things that developed uh, that are useful. You know, it's not that much of a forced uh, weekend retreat kind of culture building that some people do and some companies do. Yeah. Uh, we're just trying to leave people the space to let them breathe if they want to or join us on a lunch on every Friday if they want to. It's, it's a lot more uh, free in that sense. Yeah. And honestly, I found it works really well because people still like to go and do their personal stuff, you know, like visit their family. They want to go to the gym. They want to go on a drink with their friends or whatever it is that people want to do during the day. Maybe go to the bank, whatever, you know, any chores that they have to do. And in that sense, I think it's very important that work doesn't stand in, in the way. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're trying to achieve here. A good work-life balance, you know, not, not being too annoying, not just hanging out with your co-workers um and so on. Out. i know i know very well what you're what you're trying to say i agree with you 100 percent um now when it comes to interfacing with your clients it's funny because you guys are set up in slovenia central european time you're working with the united states i am based in toronto canada i've been living in in italy for the past few months with my clients united states and canada as well so central european time as well so my question is, how do you guys make that happen? Because for us, for example, we are open pretty much like 16 hours a day or more because of that reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
when do you start your day <laughs> and when do you finish? So <laughs> it's it's a good thing, you know, that uh, IT folks are usually uh, more like night owls, not that much morning people. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we kind of, we start late for, let's say, the European average. In Europe, people usually start at like 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. um, we usually start at 9 a.m., 10 a.m. Some people start at 11 a.m., you know. Um, but I think it's 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 a good it's a good thing because, for example, me personally, I usually start between nine and ten a.m. Work for two three hours, then maybe go to the gym or have a longer lunch with some friends and so on, and then work from three p.m. onwards, for example, right? Uh, so in that sense, you know, it's it's easier to adapt because things are always open until five or six p.m. Yeah. And usually, if you have like a nine to five job, you always get to the bank when there are most people there for example or go to the store when it's the yeah. fullest so in in that sense you know it's it's actually pretty easy to have a good work-life balance uh in, in this sense if you're if you're more of a night person um, if you're a morning person that can be a problem because usually then you go to sleep i guess at like 10 p.m when the west coast is still like wide awake and working yeah yeah which it's funny because i actually do wake up at 5 a.m i work between 5 and 8 on my personal work so like writing and blogging and everything else and then for my business it starts around 3 p.m uh central european time which is 6 a.m pacific or 9 a.m eastern uh and, and then i work until yeah probably like 10 or something like that but you're right yep i go to bed and i wake up in the morning at five with a bunch of emails <laughs> but it does make sense uh so Giga, what what are you guys working on right now? Get us excited. Any new program features, any new business ventures that your guys are working on that you want to share with our audience? So now that we've scaled flow out to this uh, point where there's some profit left every month, uh, we're basically reinvesting that profit to build to build SaaS products within the Webflow ecosystem to basically extend on Webflow uh, as, a, as a tool, as a service. Uh, the thing we're building right now is called Linguana. It's a multi-language translation service for Webflow because uh, Webflow by default doesn't have multi-language, right? As a tool. Uh, so what we're doing is basically kind of like a plugin. Sorry to interrupt, but I just realized that we haven't really explained very well for our audience what Webflow does to begin with. So do you mind just giving us a nice idea of what the software does and what the what, what you guys do actually? Yeah, of course. So Webflow is a no-code page builder. Um, which is kind of kind of like it's kind of like WordPress, but it's a software service product. Very similar, though. Uh, it's a pretty advanced product, so it's it's something that we basically work work with. Uh, we are a specialized Webflow agency, so it's the only tool we work in. Um, but it has its its drawbacks. Like you know, it's still a startup, so there are maybe a couple of features that people need that are missing. One of which is obviously multi language. Okay. Um, and these are the things, you know, that we are trying to also move from services to services and products. Yeah. The services are, well, they're good margin and so on. They are pretty hard to scale without hiring a gazillion people, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of why we're trying to diversify our income also to other uh, other areas. Okay. And uh, so timeline-wise, when would you expect your new SaaS product to be, you know, out in the market? So we are now already preparing the first beta version uh, and we will be launching in Q4 of this year. And is there a specific niche that, uh, that you guys are going after or is it just like B2B at large? So basically 
first I thought that our customers are gonna be basically the same customers as we have on web uh, on Flowout, which are US-based startups, US-based companies. Yeah. But in reality, I found out that European and Asian companies are actually the ones who need multi-language more. Uh, we already pre-sold more than a dozen, more than a dozen lifetime deals, uh, and there are like a hundred, more than a hundred uh, early early access uh, list users, basically. So they are mostly, and I mean like ninety-five percent are either from Europe or from uh, Asia, and the rest of the rest five percent are from Africa or somewhere around there. Uh, so my my guess is that our first estimates were wrong. So our customer base is gonna be here. It's gonna be smaller, mid-sized European companies uh, and Asian companies, I guess. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Listen, I know that we talked quite a bit about you know your management side of things. I wanted to ask you a couple of last questions regarding your marketing and how were you able or how are you currently marketing your business? Um, are you doing advertising? Are you doing SEO? Are you doing blogging? Can you spend a bit more on that? So we actually have plenty of funnels that we are right now building or already have built and are and are generating leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest of which I would say are right now SEO, definitely. Uh, we hired an SEO expert who helps us out with that. And it does a really great job. So we, we really are growing uh, on positions a lot. Uh, a very big a very big funnel for us is also uh, cold emailing. So we have an agency who does that for us as well. Uh, and they do a fantastic job. Uh, and then, of course, you know, all the social engagements, uh, blog posts, content, but content is kind of, you know, it's both content marketing and it's also SEO. Um, so it's kind of kind of both things there. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Well, I know that people would want to know, like other listeners at home would want to know more about your business and possibly even work with you uh, in the near future. So where can people find you guys online, Shiga? Uh, we are on flowout.com. Okay. So th- there's everything is described there, our email, contact form, everything else. Uh, or, you know, I'm always available on LinkedIn, on Twitter, or via email uh, on ziga at flowout.com. Awesome. Perfect. Again, Shiga, thank you so much for being in the Remote CEO Show. I'm looking forward to having you uh, back in the future when your new products are going to be out on the market. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at B. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. And I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again, and I will talk to you again soon.